Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Good morning, good Saturday. We're off and running. Indeed, a little bit warmer, nicer weather. We have uh, wet stuff maybe in the forecast. Scott Mosby here. One hour Cardinals pregame show, one fifteen today. Home improvement is the soup du jour. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby at the helm. Phone lines for you. The format is call in, share whatever wisdom, experience, questions, answers you'd like to participate in. This is the community and the family of KMOX. Phone lines, therefore, are 314-436-7900-436-7900. Toll free anywhere on the globe, 800-925-1120, You can follow me on KMOX.com or the Odyssey app, odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and that's an application you can go to the Apple Store or KMOX and, and download that. Take me anywhere you'd like. Instant Rewind is one of the uh, oh, features of that application. So anyway, let's get together, get started, and start talking about it. It is indeed heat, uh, uh, air conditioning time, uh, time to get that air conditioning HVAC, heat, vent, and air conditioning, is a common construction term. So if you hear that oh, four-letter thing, HVAC, thrown around, that means you're heating and air conditioning. Heat, vent, air condition, AC. So we're going to talk about that because it's time to get those filters uh, changed out in your uh furnace, if you will. You and I know it as a furnace. The pros call it air handlers. Basically, it's a big blower motor that moves air in a forced air system around throughout your house. Vent being the ductwork or the sheet metal, the galvanized steel duct square round, whatever it is in the various parts of your house. That's the V venting. So you create heat in that air handler furnace unit, blow it around throughout the ductwork or the arteries and veins of the house being vent, HV. And then the air conditioner is when you don't need the heat and you're trying to cool it off or dehumidify AC air conditioning, HVAC. So let's talk about that because I implore you, if you haven't had your system checked, and this includes you going outside, looking at that air conditioner compressor condenser, you know, the fan blower thing that makes noise outside your house, go out and just kind of give it a look-see. You kind of know when, you know, if you have gardening pots and wheelbarrows, um, you know, things like that uh, stacked close to that unit, you are uh, trimming, limiting, blowing away money in inefficiency because that air conditioning condenser its point and purpose is to blow a lot of air past those little coils behind the little fins inside there and to try and cool off the hot liquid that is compressed inside so it gets compressed as you compress it it gives off heat so that thing outside tries to blow a lot of cool air you know cool being the operative word 82 92 whatever it is it's 82 now but for heaven's sakes when it gets up to 92 it has to blow even more air to get rid of the heat in that air and then inside it goes and does its thing with the air conditioning 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 keep in mind an air conditioner 
is a dehumidifier because HVAC, uh, when the air conditioner, remember I said the compressor, the condenses, so basically the compressor takes a gas and turns it into a liquid by compressing it down. And, you know, as you know, as you increase pressure, you increase the temperature. And with that, it then we blow the air around outside, get rid of that heat as much as we can, take that hot liquid inside in that A coil or air conditioning coil, C-O-I-L, and we expand that hot liquid into a gas. And just like spraying a aerosol can, for example, in my old years when it used to be deodorant and hairspray, things like that, now it might be compressed air for cleaning computers and electronics. As you spray that stuff, the can gets cold because you're lowering the pressure. Well, as you lower the pressure, those metal fins inside the house get cold. And the humidity today, St. Louis, middle of the country, always is, that moisture sticks to those cold fins just like it does to the ice uh, tea glass outside uh, on the patio or the beer can, soda can, whatever it is. When you have a cold ma- uh, material, metal, that moisture comes right out of the air because it's cold. So that's how the air conditioner inside, when that moisture gathers on those fins inside your house, then the water drips into a pan called condensate or just liquid now instead of vapor in the air of humidity now it turns into water and you're pulling or dehumidifying the air inside your house. Well, that was much ado about uh, how to get the dehumidity or dehumidify the air. So just keep in mind that in right sizing an air conditioner, and this matters because if you have an air conditioner that's too big, and for those of you in the market for buying air conditioners, and you know, this is the time of year they break when you put these puppies to the test. You put these ACs on, they run a little longer at 82, 85, 87 than when it's 67 degrees. So now they're being asked to really perform. And if they're not up to snuff, some of you are facing replacement. Well, more is not always better. So for example, If your house, you do the heat loss calculations, meaning, okay, I've got this many windows, I've got these windows that face to the north, the wall is built this way, so the heating and cooling guys typically know pretty close what that unit would be for your house, but they don't know exactly until they run those calculations. Run those calculations, so you may have a house that needs three and a half tons, or maybe three tons, and it's right in the middle. Well, that heating and cooling company thinks about it's like well I want this thing to run a long time because as it runs a long time it runs a lot I'm going to make maybe a three ton unit that's going to run a long time it's going to dry the air out a lot because those cold fins are going to be cold longer if you go to the three and a half ton unit I hope I'm not boring anybody here this is kind of this is still a generalist point this is not into anybody that knows heating cooling this is just kind of how the system works so if I put in the bigger unit My house chills down very quickly, but it doesn't run very long. And if it doesn't run very long, it's not pulling much humidity out. So lo and behold, instead of being comfortable in my home at 71 degrees, because it's still humid, the body can't 
get rid of perspiration faster in a cooling process called evaporation. So now I may have to run that unit down to 70 to be comfortable. Well, that's a much ado about uh, comfort air conditioning, HVAC. We're going to talk about that and more. We have Cardinal baseball coming up at 115 today. Cards versus the Reds. Who ah, baby, we're going to get it going. Maybe we can bring home a victory for the Cards. 314-436-7900. Toll-free, 800-925-1120. Bring it on. When we come back after this message, we're going to talk about you and your questions right here on KMOX. This is the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, indeed. Scott Mosby here. Home Improvement KMOX. You are the family of KMOX. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being part of this show. I enjoy your time, my time, and our time together. Let's go to the phone lines and talk to my friend, Barbara. Hey, Barbara, good morning. Welcome to Cam Wex, and how can I help you here? Last winter, I used a small humidifier in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. I live in a one-bedroom apartment, and dust settled all over my house even in my grandfather clock, in a closed cabinet where I have knickknacks with glass on the front of the cabinet, into a closet off of the bed- bathroom, like the top of my coats or my yes. slacks that were hanging on a hanger. Could that be the cause? Of the dust, because finally I quit using the humidifier and I didn't have the weekly dust. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. 100%. It's not dust. It's mineral deposits. Remember the hard water? So if you use tap water for a humidifier which is fine, you wind up with a lot of lime or scale or white deposit, number one, on the humidifier canister inside. But number two, the stuff that does go through the humidifier, you're literally blowing all that hard water stuff out into the air. And now if you've got any kind of circulation system, Barbara, you are exactly correct. But it's not really dust. It's lime mineral so lime dust if you will you bet you this this is not an uncommon thing that's why people say well use um either uh, distilled water or filtered water or soft water but that's the whole thing it is the hardness in the water and it doesn't need to be a lot i mean it can be just good old st louis city county you know uh, missouri american water but there is mineral deposits in all of that because you know it's in the it's in the river okay I just could not figure out, and I live in an assisted living, and we do have wall units, Mm -hmm. and there's one in the bedroom right under where I would have the humidifier, so I guess that also was um, pushing the heat and the moisture from the humidifier. Then I have one in the living room area. Yes. So I thank you for answering my question today. Well, now, good thinking, next, Barbara. Next winter, I 
could try just using the distilled water, correct? Yes, ma'am. And put those units in the same location. You've, you've placed them perfectly by those uh, through-the-wall units. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Barbara. Good thinking. You're a pretty good sleuth. I listen to your program every week that I'm here. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. There we go. Golly, she figured this. I mean, cause and effect. All right. I did this this year. Something different happened. And it's interesting. The dust affects how many um, things that we do can create um, more dust or less dust. So that's that's some pretty good thinking, Um, you know, and, and that's a type of. Um, brain. That's how God made Barbara. She just kind of thinks things through and it, you know, she may not know the answer, but she sure comes up with a darn good question saying, could my humidifier, which I ran a lot last winter, and then all of a sudden I had dust, could that be the case? Well, I believe totally that that is. Let's go uh, see what's cooking here with my buddy, Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help you on University of KMOX? Well, I wish this one was as easy as the last one, but uh, this, this is going to be fun for you, Scott. Oh, good. Uh, Let's go for a friend. ride, brother. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, my son's an HVAC guy, so that's how we got drug into this. Oh, uh, you're in trouble grad- now. Yeah, ranking graduate and yeah. knows a lot of stuff. But a uh, friend has a two-story house mm-hmm. with an open stairwell, great rooms and that kind of stuff. And he wants to draw outside air to help balance the temperature. He wants to draw the outside air into the cold air return when it's cool outside a little bit at 60 degrees to cool the house uh, down from 75 down to 70 or something like that. So he's looking to draw outside air to temper the ambient air inside the building. Uh, The cold air return that he's looking to feed into is approximately 8 by 24. He's trying to calculate the diameter, if you will, of the pipe outside to inside. We found a couple of websites with uh, air exchange rates and air flow rates per diameter and and rectangular ductwork, 200 cubic feet per minute for a three-inch pipe or whatever that chart said. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, is this as simple as we seem to be making it to just calculate square footage, calculate airflow? Or are we getting way out of our uh, pay grade? No, when you get into anything uh, performance-wise, you do need to calculate volume, cubic feet. Uh, how many cubic feet are in the house, how many air changes per hour or per whatever you're looking for, because there is a too much uh, outside air and there's a too little outside air. So, uh, for example, uh, my experience with this is very high level than this. You guys are down in the trenches doing specific things. But HRV, heat recovery ventilator, is one way to bring in outside air. So there are devices already manufactured in various sizes and rated in cubic feet uh, for how much air it comes in and then how it tempers. For example, if you're bringing in outside air and you're in northern Minnesota where, you know, you might be 40 degrees below zero, bringing in outside air in the winter means you now need a bigger furnace, uh, on and on and on. So as you bring in outside air, 
you must, must, must consider the additional BTUs necessary to heat that cold air in the winter or cool that hot, moist air in the summer. You following me? Yep. So we would have to calculate cubic feet of uh, living space, more or less, cubic feet Mm -hmm. of the house, and then size the furnace, how many BTUs that furnace is, Right. and then backtrack to that uh, HRV size, sort of. Right, right. Yeah, and and, and be aware that uh, too much of a good thing is too much. Now, the reason I'm fluent in this type conversation is because we do a lot of kitchens at Mosby Building Arts at my day job. Well, now we've got people buying, you know, big commercial gas oven or or, uh, cooktops and grills well, my gosh, do you ever do the math on that? So 15,000 BTUs plus 30,000 plus 15 plus 15. Holy smokes, this is the size of a small furnace. Now we need a big vent to get rid of those gas fumes and that cooking odor. So now we put this big exhaust fan that sucks a vacuum on the house. So now I need makeup air or else that new new vent that I put in is going to suck the windows out of the walls and the doors too. So I need to put a hole in the wall or make up air now if i've got that much air going out and then let's pretend i turn on my clothes dryer at the same time and that creates another vent oh and my water heater fires on at that time and it's making you know hot water for a morning shot well there's another vent a vacuum hole in the wall so now holy smokes i need a 50 percent bigger furnace for the times these um, makeup air times are, are happening you, you, you see where I'm going with this? And then air conditioners, and then my whole preamble to the opening show is right-sizing the air conditioning system. Oh, but you have big holes in your house because you have a commercial cooktop vent hood. Oh, but you don't want it too big. On a, You know, welcome to my world, brother. It's yeah. a three-headed monster. <laughs> well, well, I'm a, I'm a retired firefighter, and when the CO detectors became very popular on Thanksgiving, they would sound regularly because you had the oven going, the cooktops going. Uh, the, the furnace going. <laughs> yeah, and then you the homeowners think, we've got a malfunctioning uh, CO device. We need to get a new yeah. one. No. That's it. So, okay, so HRV is that uh, device that uh, we need to look yeah. at those and see if if that would be a, uh, and, and see what they go from there. So, Scott, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, there's an ERV, energy recovery, ventilation, HRV, heat recovery. Anyway, the point being is somebody's already done the engineering for you on these things. So you can kind of get into a table and choose the size device you want. And it'll also tell you what, you know, what kind of upsize load you need on the heating or the cooling system. But you're thinking about it the right way. And, and frankly, my first, you know, you're a firefighter. My first take on this was rebuilding um, Domino Pizza Parlors about 25, well, maybe 30 years ago now, when they put in those fast uh, cook ovens, the first ones, they were, and then they put the vents in to vent those ovens. They were backdrafting the water heaters and setting those things in fire because they, you know, they'd stock all the, the, you know, the mops and brooms and right next to the water heater back there in the back room and then, you know, just suck all the flames right out of the water heater. I thought, wow. So I learned that the same way you did, only a little earlier on the food chain of occurrence. <laughs> well, Scott, thank you very much, and uh, my friend, thanks you. We'll uh, we'll consent continue this quest. All right, good good thanks quest, a lot, Scott. All, All right, right, Mike. Take care, brother.
Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby came up. Can you, can you tell I love this stuff? You know, I, I just can't help myself. Some people can recover from this, but the whole mental gymnastics of this, I, I love the challenge. I love the concept. And my particular talent is being able to plain spoken explain some of this stuff in simpler languages because, you know, I'm just not that complex. Uh, you know, if I can't drill it down or boil it down to a simple, straightforward complex, and some of you are scratching your head saying, what's he talking about now? Anyway, that's uh, uh, I, I, I enjoy the process of figuring things out. Oftentimes, I don't have the answers. Like now, I really don't have the answer. I can just help Mike think through this. And if he's got a son that's a heating and cooling technician and they're into this stuff, that guy's going to be a hero. He he's uh, he's the right kind of a brain to go playing in this thing. So, and you know, with his dad being a retired firefighter, boy, I tell you, there's some experience that comes from that. You want to know how to not build a house? Talk to the firefighters because they've seen every bad execution done and and result in their visit to the home. So there's a lot to be learned from the fire department and why the fire code is so important. And But anyway, I'll get into that a little bit more. I'll get off my stump because we have the Cardinals teeing up here in about 45 minutes. Cards versus the Reds right here on KMOX. Scott Mosby at your service. Phone lines open. I'm a little lonely here. It's a short show. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you've got one of those questions, Bring it on here while we go to a short pause and talk to you about this. This is the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, welcome back. Scott Mosby here. Go Cardinals. Have you noticed that we've got baseball coming up later on today? Go Cardinals. And let's see if we can bring home a winner today. Uh, go Cardinals. Uh, okay, I'll, I, I promise I'll get off that uh, stump. Producers dragging me off here. Uh, keep in mind, folks, as we get into this warm part of the summer, uh, check your deck. We have deck collapses. They still and they continuously happen. Most decks or half of them are DIY, do-it-yourself, uh, which basically means built usually without a permit, no oversight, no review. Um, and I, it, just be aware that many wood decks that are in the listening area of CAMWEX really need some sort of attention. So uh, go out and take a look uh, and inspect what you expect. Look for big bolts that bolt that deck to the uh, the floor joist system, the band joist. So that, you know, where the deck is, if you go down in the basement and you look up in the floor joist when you're down in the basement, assuming it's unfinished, you can see the 2x10s, 2x12 floor joists. Look for big bolts, big nuts coming through there on that wall that indicates a big half inch round steel threaded fastener of some sort uh if not get somebody to come take a look at it let's talk to my buddy bob hey bob good morning welcome to camwex how can i help hello bob are you there scott yeah, i'm here sorry button I, I can't get my fat fingers on these skinny buttons brother sorry bob hello. you're on are you okay hey good morning to you too yes sir. hey uh i talked to you last year Mm -hmm. uh, I had somebody come out and did the uh, service on our air conditioning. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just make sure, you know how that works, or make sure everything's working. He told us that uh, we needed a bunch of Freon, a lot of gas. Ooh. We had it done. I called you, and you were uh, suspicious, maybe, I don't know. 
Well, let me mm. let me say this: that air conditioner ran all last year perfectly, and nice. it's running fine now. I wonder, did we really have a leak? Some some a person, one of my neighbors, said, "You know, that might have leaked out. It should have leaked out maybe over the winter." Or something like that, but but it's running fine right now. I keep it at about seventy four, seventy six degrees. Uh, your opinion? Did I really need uh, Freon, or did I? <laughs> uh, you'll never know. All you know, all I know is it's running. It's running fine. And this gets to a trusted partner. You know, do you know the company you're doing business with, or are you just calling to somebody? So this is where it really matters. For me, right. it's kind of like dating in a marriage. Once I find somebody who speaks my language that I can understand what the heck they're telling me, you know, so I can be part of the decision, then I, I like that company, and, you know, that yeah. that matters. That builds trust for me. So I, yeah, I don't know, good. man. Is it possible if I had a leak, it could still be running fine? Yep, yep. Or that, okay. or it was short loaded when you got it, or you know, or that season. So I mean, you know, seals are funny things. It's you know, it's like a water pump in a car. Uh, generally, they progressively wear out, but sometimes you know they'll run great without a drip for two, three months, and then all of a sudden, totally give up the ghost. So you never know. We're talking about you know seals and gaskets and pressures and all that. So okay. I, I just I, uh, the only guy that knows for sure is that heating cooling technician. <laughs> Yeah, you got a point there. All yeah. right. Hey, well, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yep. Bob, you're, you know, you got it going on, so I think you're doing fine. Whatever it was, I'd have been happy with paying that money that if I got a couple more seasons out of it. So uh, I consider yeah, you over Yeah, it'll, it'll last through this, but we'll just get a new one, and that way I won't have to even think about it anymore. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Okay, Bob, thanks yeah. for the call. All right. Hey, thanks Alrighty. a lot. Bye, Bye. now. Next up, let's talk to Mo Frere, Jim. Hey, Jim, Scott Mosby here, KMOX. How can I help, friend? Hey, Scott, I hope I can explain this to you in a proper way. So we had a deck built about, oh, 30 years ago, and it's pretty much at ground level. It's maybe only like a foot off the ground. Um, okay. And it was done by womanized 2 by 10s and then there's a stringer board, you know, all the way around it. Um, mm. And the, deck, the deck's about maybe 18 feet long and maybe 14 foot wide. Well, about 15 years ago, of course, all the cedar decking got pretty bad. So we took it all off and redecked it with, uh, you know, the, the no maintenance or low maintenance new stuff that's been out. And yeah. at the time, when, at the time when we did it, um, all the, the joists were all, you know, in good shape. So we just decked right over it. Well, now I noticed that in the the front of the deck where you'd step down to walk into the yard, mm-hmm. the, the board that's not on the stringer uh, in that area, it, it's like kind of dipping. And I took one of the deck boards off and I noticed that the joist now is not real, you know, in great shape. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking, well, hell if I have to, you know, replace that, that um, Joyce, am I going to have to take all those deck boards off just to, to you know, do that? Or is there any other way to anything you can you can think of? 
Well, this is the kind of stuff we at Mosby Building Arts get challenged with a lot. Um, first answer would be, yes, take it off. Second answer is, there may be another choice, and this is where, you know, just experience counts. You definitely have to remove the fasteners on all of that decking all the way across that band joist. Um, so I would remove every fourth or fifth um, piece of decking all the way back so I can get a handhold in there uh, or a sledgehammer because basically what needs to happen is you need to pull that band joist off and then reattach your joist hangers to that band joist and put it back on. You may not need to remove all that decking to do that. Um, you follow oh, what I mean? I, I, I do see what you mean. So Because I was wondering how you're going to get a 14-foot joist in there but you just load it from the front is that what you're saying well you still you you just put hand holes so you do need to reach behind where the decking is covering so remove every fourth or fifth board enough where you can you know get that deck pulled apart and it may require that you remove you know every third board and then you have come to the place of well man i'm taking half the decking off why don't i just take it all off so that's that's where you know we we as estimators in construction estimate one way and sometimes you know the tradesmen on the job site say no man all this deck has to come off you know yeah and i get i guess scott can you just i know this might sound stupid can you just number those boards and put them right back where they were oh i wouldn't even take those boards out of place i'd probably prop them up before i did any demolition so that they kind of sit and stay in place so that i remove that last band joist on the outside joist hangers and all that whole thing comes off and all those other joists still stay in place you see what i mean Oh yeah, yeah, I got you. Now. Okay. If I'm if I'm interpreting oh. this correctly, so there's there's a way to you know do um, hand holes, access points instead of removing all the deck, but do uh, run both scenarios in your mind. Uh, do is it worth all this effort to remove these other joy or these other deck boards? Because what you get out of that deal is now you get to review what the fastener is from the deck to the house, which is really the main cause of failure for deck collapses. Gotcha. Okay, Scott. Well, I I appreciate that information. Okay. Good luck, Jim. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. There's always a lot of ways to do this, and every brilliant mind does not always come up with the same answer. So this is a really good concept for me because at Mosby Building Arts, we have estimators who have a lot of construction experience. They know how this stuff's going to get done. And, you know, the way I look at it is... All of us that are designing this stuff, we're all optimists. Well, the estimator has to be a realist. It's like, okay, so we're going to pull every fifth board. We're doing that to save time and money. We expect that to come out. What's the probability that all this decking comes off? So again, uh, that's why they call them estimates because this, I call it, it's, it's professional guessing. Uh, so uh, as it is in any other um, uh, profession, you know, for example, I had a doctor once that, you know, we're talking about, well, do I get surgery or not? And he says, Scott, half the stuff that I thought was just rock solid 
gospel true five years ago that we find out it's not. So this practicing medicine is true. He says, we're guessing. I was like, well, doc, you're a better guesser than I am. What do you think? Anyway, so the point being that experts come up with different ideas and, and sometimes, sometimes they're right. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, back for more after this on KMOX. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you, home of the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Oh, yeah. Home Improvement. Scott Mosby right here on University of Camo X. Hey, there's seminars every month roughly here, and that's put on by Mosby Building Arts, my alma mater, the place that I, my day job, if you will. Next one is coming up in July. It's a webinar, 10 Steps to a Successful Kitchen. Yep, if you're going to... Uh, tackle that kitchen and for all of you that have been shuffling houses like buying and selling and moving and all that nobody does their kitchen they do a lick and a promise if they're going to sell the house in the next five or ten years so when you buy the house you're probably going to need to deal with kitchens and bathrooms if you're in for the long haul so if you're a keeper and you're going to stay in that house for a while check out this seminar july 21st 1130 to 1230 uh the website call c-a-l-l-m-o-s-b-y call for a seminar and this is just an extension of the outreach on camwax let's go to the phone lines here and talk with my friend linda linda good morning welcome to Camwax, go Cardinals. How can I help you? Hey, Scott. Um, I th- I have a um, lake house at Lake of the Ozarks, and I don't know mm-hmm. if you can help me out, but we have a well down there, and mm-hmm. our well, um, we've been in the house for two years, and we still, every time we go down, have a real uh, bad sulfur smell and taste, you know, mm-hmm. for the first uh, few hours. we When we turn it on, we always go in and run all the tubs and sinks and, you know, just trying to clean everything out. And I Mm -hmm. can't find anybody that can give me an answer on how to clean that up or get rid of that. We've tried chlorine tablets. Um, Somebody suggested taking the Android rod out of the water heater. I think we need a new water heater, or probably they said that might help out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, you know, so we're just not really sure what where to go on it. Well, I can clearly give you your choices, and I would start with the water heater. It's the least costly try. The anode rod, basically, when you have sulfur uh, or a dip tube, about 15 years ago, there's a dip tube. Basically, when the cold water, new water comes into your water heater, there's kind of a plastic pipe thing that drops down in there, and it blows the cold water to the bottom where the flame is for a gas water heater, so it's called a dip tube. Well, one manufacturer had problems with it, and and it 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 stunk when the plastic deteriorated, which it wasn't supposed to do. It smelled and tasted like sulfur. So that's a cheap fix. The anode rod is something that uh, neutralizes the uh, electrolysis when you have mineral in your water. Your Lake of the Ozarks, you have mineral water. You have hard water. That's the deal. But the issue here, Linda, is you may literally just have sulfur-loaded water coming out of that water well. Because it cleans up and it doesn't really affect later, it may be at such a low level that it, it 
it's not worth the five thousand dollar you know whiz bang sulfur treatment thing so i would try the water heater and all of that first because what happens if you have a and you do have sulfur of some point whether it's the dip to the water heater or just coming out of the well um, the reason you're seeing it or hearing it and smelling it is because when it sits in that pipe for a long time you just get the full force of you know a week two weeks a month of that fume so it's kind of how it is so i i would try the water heater first yep okay all right linda take Great. care thanks Thank you for your help all right thanks for your call home improvement scott mosby KMOX. stay tuned we've got the cardinals and the reds coming up today today the pregame show 150 or 115 shortly after this so stay tuned here on KMOX. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, we're after lunchtime, noontime, KMOX. Uh, Cardinals coming up, Cardinal pregame show coming up here, 1220 Cards and the Reds today. Lots of things happening, rain coming in next week. Uh, You know, get ready, be prepared. Uh, We had some really interesting things here, and I want to ask for some phone calls, 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120. We do have just a few more minutes, so I've got about 10 minutes to answer your question. So if you have a question, bring it on. I know we had a couple of callers that uh, didn't get on the air last hour, so bring it on, 314-436-7900. Anyway. There were two topics that came up that were pretty pretty interesting, at least to me. Uh, one, we started out with Barbara, who uh, ran her humidifier last year, and it was a hot one. So I mean, as or a cold one. So as cold as the winter was, those furnaces ran long, long, long times. And in doing so, uh, they tend to remove the moisture in the air as you raise the temperature. Uh, what happens is the moisture or water vapor molecule move further apart so as they get further apart the relative amount of moisture held in in any given quantity like a cubic foot say they're just further apart so it's lower humidity so the warmer the air less humidity so Barbara was putting running her humidifier year-round kudos to her the right thing however if you use regular tap water tap water has minerals in it and those minerals will be um, part of the particulate so as your humidifier is blowing moisture into the air or steaming moisture into the air generally the steam ones don't really have this issue on the uh, uh, on the outflow because they will solidify inside the canister but the point was is Barbara was noticing a ton of dust in her house much 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 more than she had the previous season before she ran the humidifier right on 100 percent barbara was all over this thing she asked a clean question which is the really heart of research if you can ask the right question and get an answer to that it unlocks everything so anyway barbara noticed the dust suspected the only thing she did different was this humidifier sure enough that's what it is Uh, so if you have a steam humidifier which is kind of by the wayside because of the heating elements and the safety issues and the overheating and the electrical needs and all that there aren't so many steam humidifiers out there anymore Uh, however if you're putting on a central humidifier on your forced air furnace 
Those things are the best because you can steam so much humidity into a house much more than you can a waterfall type, uh, which is a cold water. You know, the water just runs past a membrane and air blows past it and you humidify or raise the amount of moisture in that passing air. That's different than literally injecting with a steam um, uh, nozzle. Uh, steam into your plenum ductwork at your furnace. So a steam humidifier has the ability, number one, uh, of a higher humidity. So when we get into homes in the St. Louis area at Mosby Building Arts, my day job, and we've got people that have very um, uh, near and dear, uh, sometimes valuable art collections, uh, it's always a conversation with a steam humidifier because those elements, those materials, the paint, the canvas, Frames even um, have to be kept at a consistent relative humidity. So, you know, in the summertime, we're running the air conditioner trying to cool and dehumidify those air, the air in there. But in the summertime, as it relates to Barbara's question, the steam humidifier is tops. And you can, you can get relative humidity in a uh, house in the wintertime up to 40, 45% if you properly size it, which is too high, by the way. But the point being is, you can control it. Uh, Mike had a question about, uh, in my world, ERV or HRV, energy recovery ventilator, heat recovery ventilator, basically a way to get outside air into the house, which, uh, you know, even on a day uh, like today like this, uh, if you fire up, for example, your vent fan in your kitchen, if you've got a big commercial cooktop or stove, say a Viking range, something like that, uh, and you add up the BTUs of each of those burners, and you can look them up online or you can see them in the owner's manual, oftentimes some of these burners are 10,000 BTUs, 15,000 BTUs, and the big one sometimes can be 25 or 30,000 BTUs. Well, that's a 60 or 50,000 BTU furnace. That's a lot of carbon monoxide that comes out of that gas, whether propane or uh, natural gas. So the point being is that stuff has to be exhausted. You need to remove that carbon monoxide, you know, the stuff that kills you with headaches and, you know, all that stuff, bad mojo. So you need to get rid of that. But as you exhaust that air, effectively you're sticking a huge vacuum cleaner on your house and drawing a vacuum, and the walls and the windows all bow in, kind of like puckering your your lips, you know, when, and that the house just gets drawn under a terrible suction. It makes everything leak. So you've got to put an artificial hole in the side of the house, uh, meaning makeup air. So whatever goes out must come in. Mother Nature will balance those pressures. Um, you know, in airplanes you can raise the you know you can raise the pressure artificially. In submarines you can do the same down below. The issue is Mother Nature will eventually balance those two out, and it will leak in through all the windows, doors, vents, electrical cover plates, light switches, any hole in your house. The point being, you don't want the air coming through that because with that comes bugs and dust, sometimes uh, you know uh, cellulose fibers, fiberglass fibers from wall insulation, stuff like that. But you know, just not good. So you control it. You bring this fresh air into the ductwork. You put it into the plenum system. You circulate it properly through the house. Oh, by the way, it's 12 degrees below zero outside. That fresh air coming in as you're trying to moderate this carbon monoxide exhaust properly done, you need and are responsible now for 
heating that additional hole in the wall. You know, you built this house so tight. So the concept in building technology is build it tight and vent it right. Build it tight and vent it right. Uh, so I'm getting a lot into this monologue, but we had just in a few questions last hour had some seriously cool stuff. Um, and as those pressures drop and all of these exhaust fans so you have a bath exhaust fan that goes to the outside of the house that drops pressure that draws a small suction your clothes dryer draws a small suction your uh, gas water heater draws a small suction because you're exhausting that stuff out through the roof your furnace gas furnish in the winter uh, draws a small suction and oh by the way that kitchen vent you've got on that new commercial whiz bang range that is a huge suction so you can make the house leak like a sieve which is effectively what we do with a blower door test we seal up all the doors and windows by the way we turn out the pilot lights on any gas thing you know cooktop oven um, uh, fireplace all that stuff and then we put a big fan in the door gasket it sealed and then we blow a ton of air out And in doing so, we find every leak in your house because those are the unwanted sources of air. Whereas in makeup air, it's coming through a filter, it's coming in controlled, and it's engineered for the right size on and on and on. Anyway, this is all lining up to uh, properly sizing your makeup air. But it was good stuff. I apologize for going on so long with this, but I love this stuff. I can't help myself. This is Scott Mosby. This is Cam Wex. You probably love it too if you're tuned in here now. Uh, So stay tuned. Lots of good things happening here. Uh, We're going to go to the card and the Reds here coming up in a few more minutes here on KMOX. You can listen and follow this game on KMOX.com, Odyssey uh, app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, all that and more. Stay tuned. Great day here on KMOX. Bring it on. We are in summertime in St. Louis. KMOX.